Shall we begin? Let's begin now. All right, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Frankly Francisco podcast. Today, I have a guest who is a well-established author. He has published 22 books. 22, that's right. Two, two, which is amazing. Because that tells me he has a lot of time on his hand or he has so much information that he had in his head that he wants to get out, you know, that he, he's he's been writing every which way he can. Um, I'd like to do, uh, introduce everybody to Branch Isole. How are we doing today, Branch? Francisco, how are you today, my brother? Good to be here. I'm good. Listen, so I was very intrigued. One of the subjects that I wanted to talk to you about uh, when we and we'll get there is the uh, Bible prophecies, because I'm always, uh, I've always wanted to learn about this stuff. I'm, you know, I love history. I love anything to do with history. Um, I'm very uh, open-minded to interpretations of what people perceive when it comes to that. Because, you know, people have different uh, views on the prophecies that are in the Bible. So, um, but tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me how you got into this role of um, wanting to help people heal uh, you know, mentally, spiritually, like, where did this come about for you? Well, I grew up in the 50s and 60s. And after college, I went into the corporate world for about 15 years. I was in sales and marketing. And that didn't, it wasn't a good fit. I was very successful, but it wasn't fulfilling. So I left that and got into small business entrepreneurship. And, and over the next two decades, I was involved with about five different startup companies. And at that point I decided I wanted to go back to school. And so I was doing some studying, some Bible studying, and I thought I've got to know more. So I re-enrolled in college, um, Bible college, and went back to school. And over the next six years in my studies, it sort of put me on that spiritual path, both from an academic standpoint but it allowed me to, you know, dig deeper and how did it apply to me in my life. And so that's how it came about. And so I started writing, you know, my first book was about a spiritual walk and it's primarily for fallen away Christians or seekers and searchers who are looking for truth in their life. So that was the premise. And the books just kept coming after that. So for the last 25 years, I've been, you know, dedicated all of my time to writing and sharing and teaching and mentoring. So you have a degree from San Marino School then, right? I do, yes. And how long did that take you to, to achieve? Is it four years? Six years. Oh, six? I have a six years, yeah. Well, I, I wasn't, because I wasn't on campus and I wasn't in, you know, a degree program where I had to get done in time, I was doing it as well as working and, you know, juggling life's activities. So, but I was in no hurry. It was only a degree for me. Actually, I, I went with the intention of not getting a degree. I just wanted to do some studying, but that wasn't a choice. You know, if you were going to be in the program, you had to be in a degree program. So I got the degree, but that wasn't, you know, my original focus. Uh, I have a bachelor's of science in education. I was a public school teacher and then a public school administrator. I was a middle school assistant principal. And that was my first job out of college before I went into sales and marketing. 
Uh, so I've got a, a postgraduate degree in educational administration, and then I've got a master's in theology. So with the theology, how did that shape? Like, it's it's crazy to me a little bit because you go from corporate America to seminary school, you get your degree in theology. How did you, co- I mean, you had to combine the two, didn't you? Because you had to be able to sell your books that you were making. I know you were sending, you know, sending a message, trying to give a message, but I, you know, you had to eat as well. So how did you balance that? Well, I, I, I had a job. I, my wife and I actually, we lived in, in Hawaii and uh, we were caretakers on the estate of a celebrity. And so that, that was our job. That was, we were all day long taking care of this property, 500 acre ranch. And so that was our job, but because we lived on property and, and the owner was not there all the time, she lived in California. So she only came, you know, to Maui occasionally. So, you know, I had time. I mean, I had my, my work a day, but it wasn't like I was clocking in. I could mow the grass, you know, for two hours and get that done. And in that time, I could be thinking about my studies or, you know, going over my studies. I had, a, I controlled my time and that's what made it possible. Um, you know, I didn't have a regular nine to five kind of job where I had to be third place doing something, you know, at that time. So my day was my own. Uh, that gave me flexibility, you know, in my work schedule to do the things that I wanted to do for myself. So typically, you, 22 books is, is uh, an amazing accomplishment. How long does it typically um, take you to actually write a book out from start to your first draft, second draft, um, you editing, flesh it all out, and then publish? Well, there's three steps. One is the writing that takes about six months, six to eight months, I can write a book. Then the editing process starts, and that takes anywhere from 12 to 18 months. So my, you know, whenever I come out with a book, the plan is a two-year cycle. And then when it comes out, then you've got all of the business end and the marketing end after that. So, but it's about a two-year process for each of the books. So your target audience with your books is people of faith, correct? Well, not necessarily. Some are for people of faith. Some are for people who have fallen away from their faith. Uh, Some are for people who are seeking and searching, you know, a, a fulfillment in their life that their life is not giving them at this point. I write for adults and I write about contemporary situations that explain, expose, and express an underlying lesson or theme that the reader gets from reading the story. These are all pretty short stories um, for today's reader, so they can get through them pretty quickly. But when they finish the story, the goal is for them to have realized or seen something that they identify with in their own life but from an angle that they might not have thought about. A lot of it deals with emotions, you know, and how emotionally invested we are in our choices. And with every choice, we have to face a consequence. So that's the process. And and it's to take the reader, give them something that they can identify with, 
that then takes them out of their own situation so that they can see there's an answer here that perhaps I hadn't looked at or thought about. Maybe that gives me a new avenue to pursue to reduce some of the stress, the struggle, the conflict you know, in my life. So essentially you're inspiring people, but you're doing it in such a way where they figure out themselves, you know, what they're missing in their life, which your works. I mean, I think that's a, that's exactly. a beautiful, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think you're giving people an opportunity to find themselves without ramming it down their throat. They have to figure it out on their own and they have to see how they can relate to the story that they're reading, which is fantastic. It's a great way to go about it. And especially with today's, and the fact that you say these are short stories is even better because, you know, we talked about it earlier, people's attention spans, you know, it's hard to hold some of these people's attention spans and shorter stories, but poignant shorter stories can help a lot of people because it, you know, they can focus on, Hey, I can relate to this. This, this is something that I can, you know, might help me, uh, you know, we're locked in. Uh, and I think it's a good thing. Well, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly the process. And that's exactly the intent. Give, give the reader something they can identify with, get through quickly and then spend as much time as they desire or they need to really process what they've read, what it meant, how it applies to them. So I know you got your, uh, your theology, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, theology, correct? Correct. So yep. you never thought about being a, a, a preacher. You never thought about, you know, having your own congregation. Cause there's a lot of people who go into getting their theology, going to seminary school to become a preacher, become, you know, have their own, their own flock and, you know, start their own church. But you went the opposite way with that. Yeah, that wasn't my calling. And, and I knew early on that that was not for me. Um, you know, I grew up Christian. We, we weren't churchgoers. We went um, Christmas and Easter. We were sort of C&E Christians. Uh, you know, we, I, I was exposed, but it wasn't part of our life. And uh, as an adult, I was asked to leave a couple of churches because I questioned a lot of things. And so I knew early on that, you know, being in the pulpit was not my calling. Um, my, my Christian walk is a spiritual walk. It's, it's not an uh, ecclesiastic walk. So uh, I'm, I'm talking with people and sharing about uh, what's missing in your life. And if that spiritual grounding, then how do you get that spiritual grounding? And then once you've got it, what do you do with it, right? It's got to be part of your life and it's got to be something that um, helps you through life, helps you grow, helps you see the truth in your life and in your world. And once that you see that and you understand that because of your spiritual grounding, that balance that's missing for a lot of people is established. And once that balance is there, you start to see your purpose in the world and in, in your family and in your community and in your neighborhood. And once we know what our purpose is, th then the path is self-evident and you, you automatically become a better person, a better husband, a better father, a better you know, individual at work. You become a better person all around because you have something greater than yourself living within yourself, you know, your spirit becomes alive, it becomes activated. 
and that gives you a whole new lease on life. You see things very differently and you recognize both the truth and the fallacy of the world. And once you recognize it, it's easy for you to, you know, shun the negative or um, let the old baggage go. You can become a new person because you've got this new balance. You've balanced out your human part with your spiritual part. One of the one of the best lines I heard from um, someone they told me was, it's not about the ritual, it's about the message. And I think a lot of people get it mixed up. It's not about the ritual, it's about the message that's trying to be uh, spoken across. Um, and a lot of people think, you know, you have to go and wear a three-piece suit and, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's not about that. Yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, faith is something that you have to carry yourself. Nobody can carry it for you. You know what I mean? If it makes your life better and it makes you a better person, it doesn't, to me, I'm just, the way I feel is it doesn't matter what faith you, what faith you have. I don't care if you're a Buddhist. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're Muslim. If that faith is helping you stay grounded and making you a better person, and you're better for it, carry on. You know what I mean? And I think that's the best way to think about it. Amen. I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, that relationship is not about a building or catechism or some um, ritual or pomp and circumstance. It's about how you connect with something greater than yourself outside of yourself that helps you grow and be a better person in this time and place. So let me ask you a question. Are you still teaching people? Uh, are you, do you read? Uh, do you have, um, do you go uh, to like bookstores? Do you have signings? Or do you have, what is your, do you have like a website that you, uh, that you, you go on? Um, so what is it that you do with, uh, with the books that you have and how do you spread your message? Sure. I have a website. Um, all of my books are available, you know, on all the usual outlets. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Apple Store. Um, they're all readily available just wherever you would buy books or ebooks. Um, so that part of the marketing, you know, is, is just part of the business end of it. Um, yeah, I go to book fairs. I don't do a lot of signing. I, most of my books are signed because people order them, you know, from the website, then they get a signed copy. Um, I, I go to high schools and colleges. I'll go anywhere and, and talk for anybody who wants to have me. You know, that's that's the goal. That's the job is to share with people how to overcome the conflict and the stress that you're experiencing in life by looking at another avenue that you have available to you. You know, we get buried under the layers of living our lives in the world, and yet. There's this tiny piece that's missing that when we understand it and make it part of our lives, it allows us to see a much broader picture of the life that we're living. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we, people tend to have something missing in their life. You know, they, let's say it was a job they always wanted. They finally get it and they still feel empty inside or a relationship that they wanted and it's still not fulfilling a lot of people have holes that they can't fill. And, and sometimes I think that leads to them doing things that uh, put them down the wrong path because they can't, they don't feel satisfied in what they're doing. So they have to find something that makes them feel good or thrilling or something that, you know, that's taboo. That's going to make them say, Ooh, I'm not supposed to do this. This is what makes it fun. But at the end they'll regret it. 
And, and nine out of 10 times they normally do. Uh, I think a lot of people don't have that balance. I think a lot of people burn out, you know what I mean? They burn out too quickly or because they can't fulfill a need that they don't know what the need is. They don't take the time to sit down and figure it out. Cause we're a microwave generation. Now this is not back. You know, we're, we're not, this is not 30, 40 years ago. We're in a generation now where if I want something, I'm just going to get it, whether it makes me happy or not. If it doesn't, it'll make me happy for five minutes and I'll go get the next thing. I think it's, you're correct. It's that balance that we have a hard time as people finding. Well, life is about relationships and it's about choices. And what a lot of people forget is that for every choice, there's a consequence. And the consequence may be good or may be bad or may be downright ugly. The point is to learn from the bad and the ugly and only make good choices that are in your best interest. And the way you do that is by having that balance where you can see the reality of your reality. And you're honest with yourself and you say, you know, I really want to do this, but it's it's not a real good idea. I've done this. Say I go to a party and I get, you know, inebriated or, or I overdose, um, not to a point of death, but I've taken too much substance into my body. And I've got three choices of getting home. I can drive home. I can get someone else to help me to drive home. And out of those choices, um, I can get home safely or I can be stopped by the police and all the ramifications that that brings, or I can get into an accident and all the ramifications that that brings. Now, having done this before and gotten home safely, I think, okay, well, I've done it before and I can do it again. But it only takes that one negative aspect, that one DUI or that one you know, accident that it injures or maims or kills you or someone else that can change your entire life. And yet a lot of people, you know, make a choices based on experiences that they've already had. And even if those are negative experiences, they tend to make that choice again. And they keep doing this until that tragedy happens and changes their entire life. So it's about a choice and it's about a consequence. And if I know that going in, and I understand that, you know, two of those three choices are not going to be in my best interest, then I get somebody to drive me home or I get a ride home. Um, you know, and, and people continue to make choices that bring them negative responses or negative consequences. And you wonder why they keep living that way. You know, I believe there's that something missing. There's that connection that allows them to rationally say, what's in my best interest in this choice that I've got? And when you have the spirit of God living within you, he shows you the negative. He doesn't give you the positive, but he automatically say, gee, what should I do in this situation? And you've connected with God and his spirit lives within you. That's the power of his spirit. It allows you to see the negative. Now you can still make that choice, and you're, you know, you're throwing the dice to what happens. But if you know that he has your best interest at heart and you make that good choice, then you avoid all of the negative manifestations that can come to harm your life. It's just simple choice and consequence. 
And the idea is to continue to make better choices so the results are better. So for you, what has been the biggest pain point for you spreading your message? Because there has, you know, there's always stumbling blocks. So for you, what has been, what has been that biggest pain point? The pain, it's not a pain point, it's a disappointment point. You know, um, when I speak with people about spiritual grounding and using that spiritual strength, the difficult part is for people, they don't understand that it's not an instantaneous reception, right? If I, if, if God is the creator of the universe, then he has created us as part of that creation. And because he is spirit, then we are also spirit. And so we have an innate connection with God already. When we're born, we're a combination of mind, body, soul, and spirit. And that spirit is from him, right? But we live in a world that wants us to believe that he's here and you know we're here. And those two can't mix. They can't make that connection. And even though we already have the connection, the ways of the world try to convince us that you know we're in control and, and we know all that we need to know about being in this world. So the disappointment comes when people receive the spirit and get spiritually grounded, they expect immediate change in their life. And that's not how the Lord works. <laughs> when we get on that spiritual path, he wants to know if we're going to stay on that path, you know, or are we going to be get me out of this situation, Lord, and I'll go to church every Sunday or whatever the, the deal may be. And that's not how it works. What you're using is that spiritual grounding. You're using that spiritual strength of the Lord to help you move down that path, to grow. And that takes time. You know, um, We all grow within the chronological time that we have on earth. We're supposed to grow also beyond our physical growth we grow mentally and psychologically and emotionally and spiritually. So that takes time. And that, that's sort of the biggest disappointment is people go, okay, I got it. I'm with you. Now my life is going to change starting tomorrow. Well, it may change starting tomorrow, but that's just the first step. And, and the idea is for you to embrace, you know, that new spiritual understanding and spiritual strength so it fills those holes in your heart that you were alluding to a few minutes ago. You know, that way you can enjoy your life. It's not a race to get to the end. It's, it's a journey to enjoy and be, enjoy becoming the best person that you can be. You know, becoming a loving and a truthful and an honest person. And when you do that, when you're on that path, then the blessings come and you recognize those blessings. Uh, for what they are. It, it's not an instant gratification. You know, it, it, it takes time. God's time is not our, like our time. Our time is different. We Once we come to the Lord, we go, man, I want it now, you know, and I want it to be all what it wasn't before. And it will be, but, but it's a journey. I, I think some people uh, mistake too, uh, like when they think somebody's good at something, you know, like, oh, he's a great actor or he, you know, uh, he's a great musician or he's a great ball player. Just because they're great at something doesn't make them a good person. And and this is what people don't understand. People think because they're good at something that makes them good as a person. And, and that doesn't work. Some of the most miserable people in the world are some of the most talented. 
You know what I mean? Some of the most people who have so much self-hate for themselves are some of the richest people in the world as well. You know, money doesn't equate happiness. You need it while you're here. You do, but it doesn't equate happiness. Talent doesn't equate happiness. You can be the most talented person in the world and you got people that unalive themselves all the time because they can't deal with life. They'll put on a fake front for everyone around them. You know what I mean? It's all happy-go-lucky, but in their own world, like you said, something is missing and they can't fill. You know, look at Anthony Bourdain for one. You know what I mean? The guy was, he was, he was great at what he did, but he had inner demons that he couldn't handle and he unalived himself. So I think you're right. I think people don't know how to deal with certain things and they manifest all the negative in their life. And then once that manifests, it's hard to put it back, put it back in a box and, you know, not deal with it. And a lot of these guys can't deal with it once it comes up. Well, we all have struggles. Um, that's part of life. You, you don't get away from that. It's how you handle the struggles. You know, to get to the very top of your industry or your endeavor, whatever that might be, sports, business, um, entertainment, when you get to the top, it, it's very time consuming. It's very demanding. And you have to carry a lot of people on your payroll. And for every one of those actions and those people and those events and all of the things that you're involved with in trying to keep that, that momentum and that being on top to keep that going, you know, it is difficult. It's a difficult lifestyle. And we can't escape, you know, we can't escape our demons if we allow them to be with us. And so those, you know, you see, you read and see a lot of stories of people who are very successful and end up having a, a good fall or a big fall. And how they recover is, is the key. You know, can they get through it, reinvent themselves and keep going? And the fact is, most of them can't. You know, you can pick any, any celebrity or any well-known person, especially in the arts and entertainment. And eventually that lifestyle you either burn out or you blow up. It, you can't stay on top indefinitely. And the struggle to stay on top indefinitely, you know, takes a lot of mental energy. Um, and it's just very difficult. It, it, you know, the, the, you see the ones who make it are the ones who are balanced. Again, you know, yes, they've, they've got an endeavor, they've got an industry, they've, they've got a skill that brings them a living but they also have family. They also contribute, you know, to something in their life. They are outside of themselves. And so that balance gives them what they need to continue to go. You know, look at the Rolling Stones. Those guys have been doing it for 50 years and they're still going. But, you know, if you knew the backstory, it hasn't all been lots of money and lots of celebrity. You know, they have issues that they have to deal with in their lives too. We see the facade. We see, you know, what the media wants to present. It's only when we see the backstory that we see how much struggle, you know, their life has been and what it's cost them on that journey. Um, you know, you can't buy happiness. You said it. Money won't get you happiness. There's nothing that will fulfill your heart like a spiritual relationship. The problem is you won't know that until you're on that path. And, and that's 
that's the obstacle. You know, everybody wants to be on the path, but they want it to work for them. They don't want to do the work. And, and when you're on the path and you see, this is the whole point, you see truth. When you recognize truth, then you recognize the, the fabrications and the lies. And when you have that recognition, you have the power to keep the lies and the fabrications out of your life. And that's what that balance gives you. It gives you the opportunity to see life's joys and life's enjoyments along with life's tasks. Um, you don't become overwhelmed with the world's ways. They have their part and their partition and their purpose, but you're no longer under their control. You've got the balance you need to see the reality of your reality. So for me, like I, everybody, like I said, everybody carries their own, their own dark side. Like it's dark and light and you have to, I have to find that balance because there's a lot of darkness in my, in my family and a lot of things that I grew up with that, you know, you can't, that'll never, that'll never go away. You just have to learn how to, how to balance it. And my family balanced it out. My wife, my kids, you know, uh, wanting a, a bright future for them is what helps me balance myself. Sometimes the dark creeps in a little bit more than the light. But then I have to, you know, bring myself back because I can get lost in it, just like a lot of people can. But I know that I have to stay, you know, stay in the middle because my family needs me. My wife needs me. My kids need me. I need them. So to me, I get it. I get it. It can be it can be hard sometimes. But if you have something worth fighting for, if you have something that, you know, is there and is present for you, you have a purpose. And, you know, my family's my purpose. Well, that's it. You said it. You have a purpose. When you have a purpose, then you have a goal. And when you have a goal, you know, and you can visualize that goal, then you can find out what do I need to do to make that happen? This is the whole point of, you know, self-help is I want to be in a different place and I want to enjoy and reap the blessings and rewards of that place. Until I can see that place, there's no way I can get there. Once I can see that place and visualize it and know what it looks like, then I can identify each of the steps that brings me closer to that place, to that place of being. That balance allows us to, you know, rein in our passion so that we don't go full throttle and, and miss some of the important signs and signals along the way that keep us in the guardrails. And that's what family does, you know, that's what, that's what children do. That's what serving others does. That's what being on, on committees in your neighborhood and, and um, you know, groups at work. It gives us a purpose that then makes us a better person. And in becoming a better person, we're able to reach our personal goal but we're able to, you know, have that balance that allows us to serve and enjoy along the journey to that personal goal. We don't want to get to the goal and then destroy ourselves. And, and a lot of times, you know, that's what happens with somebody who's, you know, I'll do whatever I have to, whatever I can to attain that thing or that position. And when you're in that mindset you know, we can do a lot of harm along the way. And, and that's not fulfilling. Every time we harm somebody or we've created danger or untrust in our lives, that's eventually going to come back and haunt us. You know, the truth will always come out. 
You can look at politics today. You can look at business today. Um, the truth always comes out. It may take a lifetime, but the truth will be revealed. And when you see the truth, then you realize how much that person struggled to strive to get where they're at and, and what did it you know, amount to in the end. They've ruined their reputation. They've ruined their family. They've ruined their business. Um, there's just too much at stake. And yet, you know, that's the path that a lot of people are on. Without that balance, they've got no other, no red flags that say, wait a minute, let's take a look at that before we make that leap. So listen, I, I think what you're doing uh, is great. I think you are giving people the options and the tools themselves to figure out what they what they need in their life in, in a way for them to get it without making it feel like you're forcing things on them. And I think that's the best part about what you do is you have a message without a message, <laughs> essentially, is you're giving them the tools to figure out what their own message is. Now, we got a couple of minutes before we jump off here. I want to talk to you and shift gears a little bit about uh, the prophecies in the Bible. You went to seminary school, and I've always been curious about some of these prophecies that they have. One in particular has always been for me the mark of the beast, the 666, because from what everybody talk about, uh, from what I've seen shows, they always say that it's some people think it's they were talking about Nero, the the uh, Roman emperor. Uh, because of the way he treated uh, he treated everybody. So, in your in your opinion, from what is your thought on this, on what that mark actually really means? Okay, well, let's back up for just a second. When they mention Nero, the the Antichrist is going to be a real person, right? Mm-hmm. But the spirit of the Antichrist has been with man since Adam. I mean that spiritual antichrist has shown itself throughout history in a variety of different people who have been destructive and and heinous you know and and destroyed a lot of people along the way so the spirit of antichrist was with nero was with hitler you know was with idi amin was with a lot of these people in history who caused a lot of death and destruction but the antichrist that is going to be coming in the end times, in the last days, he is going to implement, it's going to be an economic designation. And it's real simple. If you have the mark of the beast, 666, or whatever the mark may look like, the mark of the beast is going to allow you to engage in commerce, buying and selling, or not. So what it simply is, if you want to take make um, a living, if you want to be involved in buying and selling, you will be required to take the mark of the beast, which shows your allegiance to the man who will be the Antichrist. If you choose not to take the mark of the beast, you will be locked out of any kind of buying and selling. You won't have money. You won't be able to go to the grocery store. You won't be involved in commerce. Um, you'll be behind the scenes bartering for the things that you need to stay alive. But you will also be hunted by the powers of the Antichrist and put to death if they if they find you. So the mark of the beast is a designation that's going to show who's for the Antichrist and who's against the Antichrist. So speaking of that, uh, 
a lot of people think there's a company in Sweden um, that is a, a plant implanting chips in people's hands where they're able to buy everything that they need and just by the wave of their hand or just a lot of people think that's that's the start because once that chip gets implanted, these people are voluntarily letting these chips get put in their hands, which to me, I find, I find crazy. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> That's one of those crazy things in the world. Yeah. It, whether it's a chip or a tattoo or, you know, I don't know what the actual method will be, but there will be some kind of identifying mark or tracking device, something that will allow you to participate in the economy without that tattoo or chip or, or whatever it is, without that designation, you ba basically won't be able to buy and sell anything. Um, that's, you know, the control of the economy and the control of the military is the way that you can have world domination. And, and there will come a time when, uh, you know, people will be clamoring for somebody to step up and make all this craziness that's happening go away. And there will be a man who will step up and do just that, but it will be very costly. So listen, I, I mean, I could talk to you all day. It's, uh, but um, we're getting ready to jump off here. I, I wanna say thank you for coming on the show. I would love to have you back on again soon, uh, just to keep the conversation going. Um, it's been a great conversation. Uh, you know, I really enjoy your message that you're trying to spread. Um, before we get head out, I'd like to leave everybody with what I always do at the end of the show. If you found your purpose, no matter what anybody tells you, live it. Thank you folks for tuning in. I appreciate you. Have a good day.